Welcome guys to another episode of the All Ears Podcast. We're on location here in Manchester again with this six up in the sky, 47th floor here, uh, Elizabeth Tower. And um, it's, you know, beautiful space and I'm nice and relaxed today. My voice is a bit of a mess because I've done a load of podcasts. And I commentated last night as well. So I've been speaking nonstop for maybe 15 hours over the last two days. So I apologize for that, but I've got beautiful, monotonous, deep, long tones so i'm sure you'll uh, don't fall asleep try not to fall asleep um so we've got a great guest today uh interest in life he's led and i'm gonna get get into it get deep into it with warren that's what i said earlier that everyone thought was quite funny um so warren to start off like what do you think's harder living the monotonous life of running multiple businesses and doing the same thing over and over again and going to the office or dealing with fight camp and the hardship of training every day and pushing your body to the limit. What's a tougher challenge? Jeez, man, we're going to be getting right into it just like that. Um, okay, so I would say they have different kinds of stresses. You're exposed to multiple kinds of stress in either sector. You know, if you're in business and you walk into the office and you're dealing with stresses running a business, that's very personal based. You're always interacting with staff and trying to solve problems. Whereas a fight camp is very much, it's about you and your own mental strength and your, and your own resilience as a person. Because this is one of the amazing things that I experienced in this recent fight camp is that I've been training like a professional athlete because this is my first pro fight. Not that I wasn't training like a pro before, but this one especially because of the way that it's gone. And I hit a point of maximum fatigue like I've never felt before, you know, and people always encourage to show up when you don't feel like working any harder. They always encourage to show up when you really don't want to. But I had it to a level this time where I came into the gym, I was sparring and uh, I was fighting against another pro, uh, Oz, but I was just getting the head boxed off me and my coach pulled me to one side and he was like, bro, you're not moving how I know you can move. You're flat. There's no snap in your shots. My advice, have a few days off. And that's all I've been doing. That's why I'm here with you today. You know, I had a couple of days off and I feel better than ever for it. So going back to what your question was, I would probably say fight camp is more difficult because it just brings you to a dark place. You know, business doesn't bring you to that dark place where you're questioning your own health, you know, like actual health. Whereas fight camp does that, you know? Well, I think you mentioned stress, which I always think that word's super, super interesting Mm. because I... Now I'm doing this YouTube stuff and I'm trying to sound intelligent. I like look up like what words actually mean. And we would, I did a piece on stress because I obviously, with the fight camp and what you're talking about and the internalization, all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff, I, I believe it's extremely stressful. And you hear these other people talk about business being stressful or family life being stressful. Mm-hmm. Like what is stress? What do you consider stress is? And when I Googled it, I'm going to butcher this now, but it's like the response to a life-threatening situation. That's what stress is actually the... the determined as the idea is that back in the day when a lion was trying to eat us it was stressful mm. because stress it makes you more focused it makes you your muscles stronger and make you, know, you see those those stories about those women lifting cars off of dying kids because like, that's stress that's the mm. your, that gives you something right so the idea that you are stressed when you have problems at the office doesn't actually make sense mm. it, a, i don't know what the actual terminology should be but people use that word and i strongly believe in the power of words and the things that we say and i I think saying that you are stressed all the time is is a real problem for the average person and they don't understand like how much power that holds so the way you describe it then like stress dealing with with your staff i'm like 
Is it stressful, like telling people what to do? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? You're absolutely right. And I think you could probably add to that and you could say, does it release adrenaline? Does it lead on to more things? Because what does adrenaline do? Because ad when you release adrenaline, what what happens? Classic, you break an arm, you can't feel the pain till afterwards. Yeah. Well, you can, but you can't really feel the pain till afterwards, you know? So I would say, yeah, stress doesn't really trigger, doesn't trigger that in the office. But it does, this is what, what so I think it does. People consider it as stress and it does trigger adrenaline. <clears throat> and that's why the best, you know, and that's why people get like long-term stress and all this bullshit terminology mm. that they make up in their own mind. But that's why physical exercise is always the answer to yeah. stress. If you're feeling stressed, go to the gym, go for a run because your body needs the physical response. It needs you to act, like act now. Like I, I, I in the piece, I said something like you have instant stress like mm. you know stress right now and then you have made up stress prolonged or made up stress made up like you just embedded it in your brain this is stressful but if you have instant stress it's like okay i'm stressed i need to do something i need to move i need to run there's mm -hmm. lying gonna eat me i need to run that's real stress so you yeah. respond but then if you put yourself under stress by work family all these made up looking at the future thinking about the problems then you build up this tension in your body and the only way to get rid of it is physical exercise so I get going back to the idea what we're talking about. That's why I think you're right. I think the fight camp is more difficult because you're actually under stress because mm -hmm. someone's trying to box your head off. And yeah. That's a scary thing. It's interesting what you said there, actually, because I think a lot of people would almost mistake stress as well for depression. When someone gets a feeling inside of their body and it's not pleasant, they sometimes mistake it for depression, anxiety, and all these other different emotions or feelings that you know one gets. So ultimately, yeah, it, it helps you deal with, when you experience stress, it helps you deal with things. It puts you in mind, it's a fight and flight, doesn't it? It's why I, I get a, a cold shower in mornings. I love a cold shower. I know Tate hates cold showers, <laughs> which surprises me. That does surprise me. But for me, it, does, it, sends, it sends a clear signal to my brain in the morning, what I'm about, you know? And it, it, come, it, almost, it almost reminds you it, to me in the morning. It, it's like, right, what are you gonna, how are you gonna tackle today? You're gonna go straight into the ice, or straight into the fire, and, and get on with it. Or you're gonna pussy out and stand by the shower, contemplating whether you're gonna step in or not. Because nothing's gonna happen, you know. But it's still quite a shocking feeling. So, well, they say that you, the benefits of that again is putting your, your body through hot. I can't stand a cold shower. Mm. You know, like yeah. cr cryo showers, the the, the ice plunge <laughs> bath thing. The first time I ever did that was on the Ultimate Fighter, mm -hmm. um, ten years ago or whatever. And I'll never forget. Silly story, this, but. You, had, you probably don't remember. I did the Armour Fire 17 and there was a fighter called Uriah Hall who became like pretty famous, spinning head kick, one of the most devastating knockouts in Armour Fire history, incredible athlete. And there was a guy called Kevin as well. And he he was a jiu-jitsu black belt, super, super good. But he was like this gangster dude, you know, mm -hmm. like Kev was like, he was always trying to intimidate people and get in their heads. And, and with the Armour Fire, there's 14 of us but we could all be fighting each other and we all live in a house together. Mm -hmm. But you have two teams, but the teams end up fighting each other and it's a real mental battle, right? And we did these ice baths and no one like, like enjoyed it. You know what I mean? Like really, it's the first, it was, it was 10 years ago, it was quite a new concept. And I'll never forget, I got in the ice bath, did they do three minutes or something like that? I got out and then Uriah was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. He like put his toe in. He's like, oh no, no, it's cold or whatever. And you just see Kevin, he just walks in like eyeballing Uriah, like looking at him. And he stepped, I can't do the action because I'm on the thing, but he like, I'll do it. He like stares, stares at him and just gets in the water like. 
as if to say I've already beat you bro and then goes pussy yeah. and it, was, it was amazing it was amazing I'll never forget it um, so since then I started doing that well when I saw that and I saw Kev like he was like pussy I was like no nah, nah, I'll do it so I started getting into it yeah yeah uh, and I really like at the UFC PI they have these they have like a hot hot jacuzzi mm-hmm. and a freezing cold um, ice thing or whatever so you go from super Good hot today. to super yeah, cold yeah. and it feels great um, but cold showers can suck a dick I'm not doing yeah. that they're, they're, they're horrible <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I see the benefits in that, and, I, and the same with the sauna because I believe it releases shock proteins in the body, right? Yes. So that's what that what helps inflammation and yes. all that stuff. I believe in all that crap, but the main thing is it gives you mental clarity. Like you mm-hmm. said, in the morning, wake up. Am I a pussy or am I not a pussy? First action, first thing you do. I'm not a pussy. Let's go on with the day. I think yeah, that's super yeah, smart. Yeah, but the, the the flip side to the coin as well is, bro, is that I get a cold shower before bed. Which a lot is people see like, well, why would you do that? Why would the, why the hell would you get a cold shower before bed when it's like going to wake you up? And I strongly disagree because before bed, if you have a cold shower, I might have a hot bath then a cold shower afterwards. When you get into bed, there's nothing worse to feel like hot, sweaty, doors are windows are closed. You're just feeling a bit stuffy, and you know what I mean. Mm. Blood pressure's up from a hot bath. The when you get a cold shower, it lowers your blood pressure, lowers your body temperature. So you get into a bed, you just feel far more relaxed, in my opinion. You know, you, you're like the the one guy I super super respect uh, is Dana White, and he started doing this as part of this Gary Brecker stuff. I've mm. seen I've seen on his Instagram or whatever he said, and there's this meme going around at the moment that about cocaine, and it's saying that like you get high from cocaine that lasts nine minutes or something like that. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But from a cold shower, the same reaction it lasts two hours. So apparently, cold cold baths are better than gives you the same height. Yeah, 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 I don't know, I don't know, but <laughs> I, I want to get one of those tubs. You know, you can get. So my thing, I struggle. I live in Spain, so it's hot, so it's lovely. I'd love to have a cold, wake up with a cold immersion or whatever. Um, but you have to get the you get the tub. I can't remember the company now. And then you like you, you hook it up to this generator thing that keeps the water cold. Because I'm messing around with ice every day and doing all that crap. Yeah. So maybe after this podcast, I'll get one of those. I'll get one of those. But anyway. Wouldn't know what a cove high feels like anyway, bro. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. I don't know what that. <laughs> but maybe I'll compare them. Maybe what I'll do is I'll take a load of coke and I'll get in the cold bath. You get double the effect. A coked up cold shower, cold bath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get, and then it lasts two hours and it's amazing. That's I what I'm going to do. I, I, want, I want people write in the comments, test it out. Let me know how it works. I'm going to get on the coke. And I'm, I've never done coke in my life, but I'm going to get on it and I'm going to get in the bar. Cola, um, cola kids. <laughs> I'm a joke. Um, yeah, so obviously you're going through this crazy fight camp, this training camp and everything's, uh, you know, not different, but new because like I said, it's going to be a first pro fight and you're mm-hmm. taking that professional approach. You say taking days off and time off. I think that's a, normally, I mean, me being a pro athlete and knowing a lot, a lot of people struggle with the ideology of doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy that you've just that you've just said that because last night was the worst mental space I've ever had, and I've had two days off, and I was in bed, couldn't settle, didn't know what to do with myself. I felt out of place, but I just had to hone in and trust the process that I was in a state of recovery, and that recovery is just as important as honing your skills and sharpening your skills. Not taking too much time off because that's that'll be silly, but like you know, it's probably. It's not normal for an athlete to take any days off, really. You know, apart from, you know what, a bit of a rest and what, a fight week. So we put it to test. I've actually been in camp for closer to 16 weeks. Yes, long, bro. 
because I had I had the Roman Fury fight that that came up initially and then that dropped off. It didn't happen. Well, before so, that, let, let, let's tell people because people don't know. Mm-hmm. Where's the fight? When's the fight? And what what's going on? So you're you're fighting in Dubai, right? Uh, what's the date? Yeah. So the the fight now is scheduled for 24th of November, which is three weeks about three weeks now from. Well, this yesterday. will be released in a couple of weeks, so it'll be it'll be, it'll be it, well, let's pretend. That it's because it's going to be released in two okay. weeks, so it'll be in a week. Yeah. So you're fighting one week. You decided one week before the podcast, to, uh, before the fight, to come and have a podcast with me. Right. Okay. So it's really it, the fight's in one week. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> so the fight's in a week's time. <laughs> exactly. And 24th of November. Can't wait for that to happen. And it, the, the way that this fight has gone has just been crazy. I mean, fighters pulling out happens anyway. Like I, I kind of get that, but. From going from fighting Roman Fury, which would have been a fantastic fight, to Jack Fincham. Now, to anyone who doesn't know who Jack Fincham is, he is he went to Love Island in 2018. Um, that's how he got his his, uh, his social presence. He was a, previously an amateur boxer, so he had 25 or 26 amateur bouts as a younger kid. So it would have been a good fight, you know. But he fights in the back foot. He's very much, you know, a point scorer, in my opinion. I'd have been coming forward, putting the pressure on him. He had been on the back foot, trying to maybe walk onto his short score points. He loves that uppercut, loves to throw the triple jab. You know, he's very, very textbook amateur. And that would have been a great fight, but he ended up pulling out. He had his own reasons for pulling out. Uh, I think he's a pussy, in my opinion, that is what it is. Now, the silver lining is, is Aaron Chalmers has stepped up. So the Aaron Chalmers fight is way more exciting, in my opinion, because you've got two guys in there that love to stand and trade. They don't give a fuck if you get hit. You're just there, stand, trade, defend a little bit, bob, weave, but it's about who's landing the bigger, more significant punches. That makes it more fantastic and exciting fight. So I'm happy about that, you know. I'm, I'm happier that it's, a, it's more of a challenge because for me, when the, stakes are, when the stakes are higher, I perform my best because I know what can happen, you know. So fighting this fight to me is, it's a silver lining. Jack pulled out, my coach, my, coach, my manager even said to me, he was like, do you want the good news or the bad news? I said, well, obviously the bad news first. Bad news is Jack pulled out. And I was like, right, okay, surprise. I called it. 24th of September, I put a post out saying, Jack's a sausage, he ain't turning up. That's my prediction for the fight. And he doesn't turn up. So then he said, Aaron Chalmers is stepping up. Now I know Aaron Chalmers won't pull out because yeah. he's just a he's just a fighter, you know? He, he prides himself from just getting in the ring, getting in the octagon and having a scrap and not really giving a fuck about the consequences. And I am a dangerous fighter for any person. And even, I don't care if you're ex-MMA, whatever, Geordie Shaw, Love Islander, amateur boxer, I'm dangerous, man. I come forwards, I look for openings, I apply the pressure, I'm incredibly fit. I can do 10 threes, no problem. We're doing five twos, bro. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> five twos. We're going to be swinging from the rafters from the belt. From, from round one, it's just going to be a slugfest. It's impossible for this to go to points, in my opinion. Impossible. Well, what's, what's the answers for the gloves? What's, what's, what do you box in? You I think know? we're 12s. Well, that's not bad. 12s yeah. are okay. So yeah. It's still, yeah. still 10 minutes of action. I mean, five rounds, two minutes. It's still pretty intense, to be fair. But mm. out of the three, like you said, Fury, um, Fincham, and Chalmers, who would you consider as the toughest fight? Roman Fury, for sure. He, he's got to be the toughest opponent. He's probably the more awkward one to box as well because he's taller. He has that long, awkward Tyson style, you know, long, lengthy opponent. You know, because you, when you're, you're fighting at a bit of a disadvantage anyway, by being the shorter guy, aren't you? The, the shorter, stockier guy. I mean, Tyson might, might, Tyson might disagree, <laughs> but you've got to work a bit harder to get on the inside and, you know, and, and really make, make it rough and make it happen because if you, if you can't get on the inside, you don't know how to work 
driving forwards, he's just going to stay on the back foot and keep your distance and just pop shots off you as you walk into them. And I think he would have been a far more awkward fight, but I pride myself on just saying yes. I don't care who it is. The tougher they are, the better camp I'm going to have. Because if, if if someone says to me, oh, just, just take this fight. It's going to be an easy fight. You'll, you'll, you'll run over him. It'll be good for your brand. You'll get an extra win. And you're, I don't care about it. I don't want that. I don't want to carry that through a camp. And I, I know, this is one thing I know about mine and Aaron's manager, right? Because we share the same manager, technically. <laughs> okay. So I'm smart. I'm an intelligent guy. I know exactly how this conversation would have gone. He would have rang up Aaron and he'd gone, mate, you just lost your last two fights. You got spanked by Mayweather. You, got, you lost your last two fights. You need a win. This guy is going to be an easy win for you. Yeah. It's his first pro fight. Come in, get the win, and you're back on the ramp up to greatness again. Because mm -hmm. if I was a salesman and I was a manager, which is what he is, that's how I would pitch the fight to him. I mean, Aaron would say yes anyway, because Aaron's a G. I got a lot of time for Aaron. I got a lot of respect for him. I do. We get on very well. That's yeah. just the truth of it. But that's how he would have pitched it to him. So he's going to come into this fight thinking, right, I'll just smash this kid. We'll go for a beer after. It's all going to be great. Mm -hmm. But if he's coming in with that mindset, it's going to be a bad night for Aaron. Simple as that. Because the, the tougher you are, the tougher I train. Yeah. And that's the, that, that's, that's the fire mentality, I think. Well, Kay's definitely a salesman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, if you're considering the Roman Fury was the toughest fight, you said to the, that yes to that at the beginning. It doesn't really matter who it changes to. And you've had enough notice. So it's been like three or four weeks notice mm -hmm. you had for Chalmers, right? Or three weeks or four weeks. Um, yeah. So, I, like, it's a change of opponent a couple of times. It's a pain in the ass. You've been in camp a long time, but it's not like a last minute change and a super dangerous guy coming in. I mean, Chalmers is it, why we spoke about it before. Mm -hmm. But the thing I respect about Chalmers, and I, I say because I've, I've known him a while as well, I've seen his MMA career and then going into boxing and everything else, he can bang. And to be able to hit and to be able to knock people out the way that he has is like, it's like a God-given gift. Some people can do it and some people can't. It's not a gift that I have, not mm. with my hands. With knees, kicks, okay, but with my hands, I haven't got that sniff. I mean, I have knocked a few people out with my hands, but not like, it's not like every time I touch someone, I feel like Chalmers, like you said, he comes swinging. You come swinging. So 12-ounce mm. gloves in you know the squared circle, I, I think you're right. Five rounds is probably is going to be, you're not going to reach it. It's stupid, man. It's, it's, it's actually stupid. I probably would have said if, at least if, if you put two guys in that just swing from the rafters from round one, at least give them eight rounds, six rounds. Give them something to tie the, tie the boys out, make them think, I've got to reserve the gas tank here because if I don't put this guy away in the first, second, third, it's over for me. So this is what I said about Aaron as well, is that he's going to put me, he's going to try and put me away in the earlier rounds. He has to. Yeah. He, he's had a four-week, he's got a three-week camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's been eating pizzas and Chinese and on his story and getting fat. And now he's got to get back down to 82 and fight me in four weeks, three weeks time, two weeks time. One week time for the podcast. One week time. <laughs> since, he, since he agreed the fight. Since he agreed the fight. Four weeks, isn't he, right? So, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, like you said, another thing about Aaron is he takes every opportunity he fights, puts all the fight, always comes, always comes to win. So I think it's uh, it's going to be great. And you guys are going to be co-main event, I believe, right? Yeah, and here's the thing. Well, we're going to be co-main, but here's the thing, right? How many guys have you seen Aaron Knockout in boxing gloves? Different. I could knock someone spark out with six-ounce gloves on easy, right? It's A lot. Four. Four-ounce gloves. Four-ounce <laughs> four gloves, there you go. Four-ounce, bare-knuckle so, you know, I, I could I could argue it takes far less to knock someone out. But exactly. I, I see him, 
if the way he boxed Idris Virgo six weeks ago now, Idris Virgo, those that don't know, pussy, 16-0 pro, nearly got knocked out by Chalmers in the first. And he, he was landing bombs off of his face. Virgo's got a chin, to be fair to him. Mm. But if I was in MMA gloves, it would have been all over, you know. But I ain't seen him knock anyone out stiff with boxing gloves on. The only people that I've ever knocked out has been in boxing gloves, stiff. Last guy was asleep for two and a half minutes in boxing gloves. So prepare yourself, Aaron. <laughs> well, you must have saying both got power, both going forward to. It's going to be a crypto fight night, right? That's the name of the event. Um, who's the main event of this? Uh, do you know what? It's probably disrespectful, but I don't even know. Yeah, well, I wouldn't either. I don't know. I yeah, saying, yeah. If when I ever I used to fight, I didn't even look at the rest of the card. I couldn't care less. It's just about me and myself. So I just, I that's, just wonder. That's it exactly. Yeah, I think there's one guy called Trading Lord. He holds the I think it's the WBC middleweight title, the Crypto Fight Night title. Uh, he's coming back and he's fighting some guy. Uh, I don't know. I've seen a lot of stories and stuff and going up and reels and stuff. That's that's the main event, I believe. But yeah, like you said, bro, you just care about your own fight, don't you, on these cards? But then how, explain to me, like, how do you get into this space? Obviously, I understand mm -hmm. that Aaron Chan was getting into this space and mm -hmm. obviously, but like for you, what's what's the inspiration or the reason that you want to get involved in? Because you, you've given up your business and everything else to train full time and, and you're now going all in on this this boxing, if you want to call it YouTube boxing or mm -hmm. influencer boxing or whatever it is. What's the, the drive for it? You know, that's a fantastic question. And I would like to start with the formula in this because I'm a businessman and I like to analyze things for what they actually are. When I see the fight business, and we'll call the fight business because it is a business, I look at the guys that are at the top and you take a blueprint from them and then you work out what you've got and then you take step, steps forward to that. So we look at the modern greats. We look at the greats, Tyson Fury or Muhammad Ali. And you analyze them and you go, what, what are they? They're fantastically entertaining fighters. They know how to talk. They're funny on camera. They're brilliant at speaking to people. You could, you could have dinner with any of these guys and you'd have a fantastic time, believe it or not, yeah? They just got loads of charm, loads of charisma. They, they bring out their best selves when it comes to promoting the fight, uh, their opinions on the fight, trash talk, your McGregor's, they make it funny. That's... A big part of it. And when you look at these misfits guys, I see guys that are fantastic at entertaining, okay? And terrible at boxing. <laughs> so what's the formula? The formula to me is a bit of both. Muhammad Ali, fantastic boxer, yeah? And entertainer. So that's the formula. So I looked at that and went, Why, what do I need to work on? I need my status. I need to improve my status as a person. I need to get better at speaking. I need to get better at selling myself. I need to get better at fighting. It's like it's like Tristan T likes to say you, you you can't have any zeros and uh, zero and, and tens you, you can't have any tens and zeros sorry yeah you need to have a seven out of ten across the board and you're going to do far better in life so I look at the whole business as, as to what it is analyze it and then subject myself to it ruthlessly subject myself to it you know and I've been able to do that now because fortunately I've been in a position where I can outsource my business and I can rely on people I've built trust with people over years of you know because I'm 30 years of age now right so. At some point, this had to happen. You either make your money and then you go off and do what you want to do in life, provided you do it in a timely manner, or you just hustle it out, you got no money, and you struggle from the very bottom. You know, I can afford a fantastic fight camp, 
People say when you get rich or when you make money, you become lazy. I disagree. If you want something hard enough, you go for it. People that have a lot of money actually find it more exciting, more entertaining to subject themselves to something like a fight camp because it's a new challenge for them. So the person that actually has resources is actually far more dangerous if he subjects himself to it than the guy that doesn't. Because I can afford a good training camp. I can make sure that my, my nutrition is on point. I can make sure that my rest is in check. I haven't got to be somewhere, you know, eight hours a day. I can really train like a true professional for this fight. And I think that's something that a lot of people are overlooking about me, you know? I've done it at the right time. Yeah, I think when people say that like money makes you less hungry, I think that's for the guys that were hungry and had nothing. So mm. like, like myself started by sleeping on the floor and then got the way to the UFC. Then I've seen you sleep on the floor real time, bro. You can, I can vouch for this, bro. I, I can sleep anywhere, bro. And, um, you know, so it's like, once these guys get to a certain stage in their life and they start making money, then they lose the hunger, you know what I mean? Mm. Because they, they, that's mainly why a lot of people start fighting is because they're broke. So if you're already successful or already have financial backing or already doing okay and you want that fight, you're fighting for a different reason. It's like a different, whole different, perception so mm. those people i think are like you say are dangerous because you look even you look at um the pools like jake paul and the, you know the prime example mil millions and millions of dollars to spend on training camp training with the best guys in the world in puerto rico and and pushing themselves to the highest level and they're, they're young guys and they 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 can afford to do it so i went the other way i went no money give everything to it try and fight try and fight try and fight try and fight and now i'm in the the make money stage so i'm coming out the other end of it and it's uh it's different but i think I think a lot of people do overlook that because they think, oh, this guy's, why does he need to fight? Mm. And, um, it's just down to the motivation, the reason behind it. A lot of people, they, like you said, they want to take on challenges that are going to push them because money is a challenge, right? Money is a, is a task. And once mm -hmm. you, I know guys that have completely smashed it and conquered that part of their life, mm -hmm. but they suck at all the other stuff. So it's like, once you understand and look at it like a game, I think it's like game theory and you think, oh, money is just a game. Just like fighting is just a game. As mm. in like a, a game for myself to, to improve and to become better and become a seven across the board, as you put it, mm -hmm. or as Tristan puts it. I think, um, I do think people overestimate that. And I think what the problem is, once you get like clout, once you become a somebody and you've got money, then it's like, oh, maybe that will be the, for you, you're, you're at the moment, you're like, you be Aaron Chalmers, it's a big, it's a big notch for you, right? Mm -hmm. He's got, you've got nothing to lose he's got everything to lose in a way. <laughs> and once you're the guy who's not the underdog and you're the guy that everybody knows, you're the famous guy, you're the rich guy, you're the, the good guy, then you've got some young guy who's coming after you, it, it might completely change. So I think mm. you're in the, the perfect situation to create an upset. Exactly, to be, to, to be dangerous as well, to be dangerous and create an upset. I completely agree. And it's, it's one of those things about life as well. You can say the same about a business, couldn't you? You could say there's, there's one guy, big comfortable CEO, gets to the top, thinks he's untouchable. And then somewhere down there in this beautiful view, there's a, you know, there's, there's someone hustling in his bedroom, doing exactly what you're doing. And he's coming to take, he's coming for everything that you've got. So I think if you, if you maintain that mindset and I, you could probably use Conor McGregor as a good example here. You know, he's, he's like, you he came from nothing. He, you know, he, he hustled away, his way to the top. And there's no situation now where he can just jump back in and get a warm-up fight. When they, when they put him back in, it's like a Chandler. It's like, bro, he's like elite-level fighter. You can't go and box a couple of nobodies and get yourself back into the rhythm of being in the octagon again and look great. You know, once, once, you, once you're at the top, like, 
it's a, it's a long way down. And if you hit the bottom, it's a long, long way back up. It's a it's long, hard road back up because you have to you get put straight back in the pocket with, you know, someone that's amazing because of the status and because of the level that you've achieved. So, but I'm ready for that. You know, I I believe that this moment in my life now, the next ten years, are where I get to create a legacy because I've spent the last thirty years of my life, well, ten years of my life, doing what I'm doing, making money, having fun, going out partying, you know, girls whatever, all that sort of stuff is, you know, I feel like I've rinsed and repeated that. And it's just nice to be in, in this position where I wake up in the morning excited, you know, like I'm ready to go. I'm ready to, to, to make something of myself, you know, legacy, cheesy as it sounds. I want my kids to grow up and go, that's fucking Batman. You know what I mean? My dad's fucking Batman. He's, 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 a, he's a superhero. When I get older and I'm big and I'm strong, Provided the Lord gives me some sons, <laughs> I hope you do. Um, then you know that that's a, a fantastic existence, isn't it? You know, to 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 kind of finish to finish life on that note. I think. I think life's all about pushing yourself to achieve different things. And like you said, when you conquered the or, or done well in one sphere and made money, and you now you're looking for different challenges. And when you have kids, eventually, I mean, I've got kids, and I understand that feeling completely. You want them to look up to you as much as you can. You want to be a good example for them. And mm -hmm. I think. Um, yeah, put just consistently pushing yourself in different realms is the only way to do that, you know, because even what, because like you said, the next 10 years of your life, then you'll be 40 years old and you can't really do, but, I mean, you can have a couple, but like, unless you're Floyd. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's a couple of boys out there, but that's like the end of the, the athletic pursuit or anything like that. So then yeah. you have to recreate. I think life's all about recreating yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you're constantly recreating, doing a different mission, completing that mission, moving on, doing a different mission. And if you don't have a mission, then you become what I believe is like 90% of the world, which is just lost and drifting through life because they have no real reason to be to exist. You know, so unless they have that reason, I think um, that you can drift and you can struggle. So hopefully we can keep recreating when you're, when you're four years old and you can look back on this amazing career that you've had fighting and beating people up and flying all over. I mean, you're going to fly to Dubai and have your first professional fight. Mm. The, the the currency that I think is super important as a man is to have these stories and these experiences. So when you are that older man sitting in the chair, your sons are talking to you, you go, oh, when I was in Dubai, beating up Aaron Charm, like, like, <laughs> like it's a fun story, you know? Yeah, for sure. But guys who just work behind a desk their whole life, they might financially provide, they might do all the right things, they might be fantastic people, but then when you're sitting there, they've got no stories. When you die... Yeah, yeah, when you die, which you is dying up, you know, and, and life's not as uh, appealing and those people don't have the energy and the vibrance that I think that they should have or they, they could have, you know. Uh, but anyway, that's me going off on a couple of tangents. Let's, uh, <laughs> you're wearing a big, bright uh, orange hoodie uh, just to, to try and flex on everyone and show off. So where where's the mechanic come from, the nickname and, and uh, you know, what, what what inspired this look with the, the Dragon Ball Z stuff and everything going on? Do you know what? I... I... I often uh, I often get proud of my creations or right? what, what, what I do in life, but this this hoodie it took like a few seconds to knock up, and I don't really give it the credit it deserves, <laughs> because the guy that I had on was very good, very talented, very creative. You know, I I got the Dragon Ball guy design because when I was a kid, classic, I used to come home after school. I think it's every Thursday night. I used to stick two army on, and it was Dragon Ball Z from like half eight till nine. And it used to be past eight or past nine or something like that. I used to float into nine because there was like blood and gore and guts and that. But the, if anyone that watches Dragon Ball, they'll fully understand this. They know that Goku is like the main G. He's like the big G man. He's the, I, he's the guy that I aspire to be like in life. If you, if you understand Goku's character and who he is, 
I would love to see myself as a man like him. He's like a family man. He's polite, calm, really soft, you know, just polite energy. And he just comes across as very, very harmless. But if he wants to turn it on, man, he can, you know. And his whole his whole career is about him just getting harder and harder throughout the whole series. He just gets stronger and stronger throughout the whole thing. And yeah, just, I don't want to get too deep into Dragon Ball because we will be here for fucking hours. <laughs> um, so that's where all that comes from. And the mechanic is quite a funny story, really, because when I first started boxing, I got crowned Pretty Boy, right? That was my first name, Pretty Boy, which, you know, was quite appealing soon at the time. But then it got a bit washed out. So... I got into this YouTube boxing space. You got Pretty Boy Taylor. He's there, and the Pretty Boy Taylor. You got Mayweather. He used to be called Pretty Boy. It's a bit of a washed, a washed out name, you know. So the name change actually was when we were well. I was at the Tates. I'd um, someone commented on my on my uh, picture and was like, "Pretty Boy sounds like a pretty bit of gay name, if you ask me." And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> can't can't disagree with that." So I changed it to the mechanic and. I didn't just call the mechanic because I dismantle people and all that sort of stuff, but it's because my dad was a mechanic. And when I was a kid growing up, what do you want to be if you look up to your dad? You want to be exactly what he is, right? So he actually one day brought home this, um, like a motorbike for me. It was like a, a piece of shit motorbike that he bought from a farmer for 15 quid. Grass was growing through it and it was like a wreck. And sort of piece by piece, I sat in the garage and watched him rebuild this bike ever since that day wanted to be a mechanic so i grew up i trained to be a mechanic for four years in college qualified and worked as a mechanic for an extra three years so i was a mechanic for like six seven years realized after seven years i was a shit mechanic like terrible mechanic like if i continued now there would have been like wheels falling off down the motorway like people would have been you know losing their lives over that shit so i had to accept fate shit mechanic however fantastic boxer so <laughs> The mechanic was born. That was it. And that's the story, man. Yeah, so the mechanic, he said, disassembles people instead <laughs> of vehicles. I think that's probably the best way to put it. All right, sweet. And then you, this is going to be merch for you or what's the, you, this is just your personal design and creation? Yeah, we're just playing with it at the moment. You know, we, we might do a merch drop, but at the moment it's just, I've had some good, I wanted to see what the feedback is. You, you got to test the market out when you first, you know? Okay, okay. Because you got, you know about testing the market because you got another business, right, as well, which you, you gave me a pair, which I lost because I lose them constantly. I, I, all I've done is lose sunglasses for the rest of my life. But you started a, a sunglasses company. That's it. Gigs, right? I think it's gigs. Yeah, and do, do you know what? The beauty about gigs is, bro, is they're designed to be lose, to, to be lose, to, to, they're designed to be lost, right? Because the material that they're made from is biodegradable. So we know people are just clumsy and just lose so sunglasses like uh, next to liars are the number one stolen and lost things on planet Earth. You know, they, we, just, we just lose them. We, you know, it happens. So if there's things that we do that we can't change, how do we make it better? That was the idea. So I thought, right, well, if you lose them, make them so they decompose, you know, so they don't fucking dissolve if you throw them in the pool. But if you compost them for like 12 months, they just break down to nothing, you know, oh, wow. which is pretty cool. Uh, the ones that you got, the uh, the Tony Starks, they're like in the, the metal frames. They, now, they are the true G glasses. Um, the original inspiration, obviously, was Tony Stark. Um, I actually copied them. So there's a brand called Dita. Dita. Uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they made uh, Dita Flight 6s, which was the same frame. And I found the guys that made the same frame for them, and they just white-labeled it, bro. What did they yeah. say? Um, I had literally tweeted this before this podcast, and I can't even bloody remember it, but it's like... Uh, uh, 
good artists borrow and great artists steal yeah, something yeah. like that you know well it's mark zuckerberg isn't it it's like yeah, everything yeah, exactly. everything he's done is just copied isn't it yeah. was it threads was the reason one the instagram threads yeah it's basically twitter but it is twitter yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. they're, they're yeah. trying to battle with it but no with um i mean the gig the gigs were cool i like them i hope you're gonna get a few of you men to bring me some today that i would have worn on the podcast but you forgot <sighs> So it's all good. Amateur move, bro. Amateur move. <laughs> but no, I, I think because that that could talk about how we met. Uh, because you first gave me a pair of glasses when you came out to Marbella. We met over. That's it. Uh, you did um, Mike Thurston ran an event, right? Like a fitness event, and him talking about social media and branding and all this sort of stuff in Marbella. And I was just kind of there assisting and helping out and a bit of a part of it. And uh, yeah, I, I think that weekend was uh, everyone who was there had an amazing time, and I think it it showed like how for me anyway because i i know a lot of guys like mike that are like influencers or they're youtube stars or you know and they, they go and build up these brands and they start trying to sell products and all this sort of stuff and everyone looks up to them interesting mm -hmm. guys have great lives but i think uh mike's got i've done his podcast as well but i think he's got like amazing depth and when you actually sit there uh, that is when i fell asleep on the floor and you saw me sleep yeah, on the floor. Yeah. it wasn't that boring but um <laughs> when you listen to him break down how he runs his uh, socials and runs it like a business and the mind behind it he's an extremely intelligent smart guy that you wouldn't think for some guy who's just like just jacked, jacked yeah yeah jumped, yeah and you just think he's some sort of like meathead obviously he's got his own vlogs you can watch on youtube and all that sort of stuff extremely popular guy and you can see but for me, he's one of the guys I've met in that space that I, I like respect because he's he's an intelligent dude. Mm. Like if you take if you took Mike Thurston though and you stuck him at like a business meeting somewhere, you, he would look at a place, wouldn't he? You know, with the rest of these the rest of the geeks, which is like the amazing thing is that some people just think that he made his success purely based on the way he looks. Oh, he's just jacked. He's just good looking. Success is just you know easy for him. It's just, it's just so far from the truth, isn't it? You know. When you actually, like you said, you sit down and you watch him explain in great detail how he did what he did. It ain't no mistake, is it? No, you know? it's, it's like, like, like what, I guess it's a tape phrase or whatever, but you never uh, you never see a guy with a six-pack go, uh, oh, it just happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Let's yeah. just get it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you have to What's do the work. Saying? But yeah, we had that weekend and... Um, we had a little 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 fight ourselves, went back and forth. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, but us beating up, right? <laughs> it was good fun. We started boxing, but then I got a little bit worried, so I had to take you down. I talk about, bro, I talk about, every time I speak about you, I speak about this moment because okay. it's, it's like, it's such a funny moment to me because I obviously respect what you do and, you know, and you're, I don't know if you noticed, but I kind of quizzed you a little bit, you know, because I wanted to, you to confirm that you were the UFC guy, 23rd <laughs> ranked in the world at one point. I was like... This is about Goku. It's where Goku it, comes in, man. It was 21, but it's... 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've been saying that wrong all <laughs> this whole time. 21, right? So this is, this is where Goku comes back in. So Goku gets, like, excited when he knows that his opponent can fuck him up at any given moment. Like, it kind of, like, burns... It's like, I gotta got feel the thunder. Just a couple little... Even if it's just, like, low, low, low pace rounds, it'd be cool to see how he moves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's where that comes from. And the next thing you know, we're rolling around on the floor. I'm getting choked out. 34 degrees, whatever it is. Yeah. And that, that makes it 10 times worse anyway, doesn't it? You can't breathe anyway if you're getting choked out. And then there's one that's, like... I put a picture of me and you on our, our, our Instagram. Like, I was in the club, and you, like, just got me. I know who I was like... Oh. I mean, maybe I was, maybe don't, I was pissed. Don't I, hang out. I remember that. <laughs> it just kept happening periodically. I said, this guy keeps choking me out. <laughs> I don't have to be careful what you wish for, guys. 
But they, uh, he's, I know, I, I watched Dragon Ball Z when I was a kid, but I can't. Oh, you did, you did watch it? I, I, I can't oh, okay. really remember it, but I can't. I was going to say that I'm sure there's one bit in it where they go into like a time chamber or That's like right. a pressure chamber. Yeah, yeah. And they put, the, they put like a thousand X pressure on them to become stronger or that's something. That's it, like yeah, that. yeah. So that, I, I'm not into anime. I think that's like the, the most um, mainstream anime that there is, I think, is Dragon Ball Z. Probably, but, yeah. But like, I'm not super into anime, but my brother was super into it. Like Gundam Wing, if you've ever had a Gundam yeah, Wing. Yeah, yeah. He loved all that. And he, he did show me some of it. And um, yeah, with, with that, I, I like that concept because I always believe that the more pressure we can like take on in our lives, the better mm. we become, right? So that, that's kind of what he does. I think they go in this time chamber or this pressure chamber that like if you go in there for a day, then there is like a, sorry, a year in there is like a day outside. Exactly, real yeah, world yeah, or something like yeah. that. And they, they, they put themselves under this crazy training pressure and they train like psychopaths and, um, and then they come out like the next level. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that, that that's what you said it then, like, searching out those people that are going to give you a hundred a thousand x pressure mm. 100 x pressure that are better on you that are going to push you that's like a part of life and that's what i was like in the gym as well mm -hmm. and i think a good bit of advice for guys training but anyone who's trying to improve at any skill is with the, the partner skill finds the easiest one but like boxing you're supposed to train with someone that you're so much better than that you can do whatever you want to and then you're supposed to train with someone that's better than you so it's like you have two training partners. You have the guy that's better than you and you have the guy that you can murder. Mm -hmm. Because the guy that you can murder... I was the guy you could murder, by the way. <laughs> but you can practice all your new stuff with. So if you're learning a new move, you practice it on this guy. But then when you fight the guy who's better than you or more experienced or been around forever, that's when you bring your A game. So mm -hmm. it's like A game time, play time. A game time, play time. And some guys make the mistake where they always just try and fight the harder guy. Mm. And they always go A game, A game, A game. And they never develop any skills. Yeah. And some guys... Are pussies and they just try and fight the, the the easy guys and then as soon as they try and step up in class they just get battered yeah so yeah i told this story i think on another podcast but there was a guy um called lee dosky who was a, a guy that i used to train with but he used to train at a different club and he would come down twice a week and he was a black belt 30 fights older than me like and i would be like waiting at the door like lee let's let's go let's go let's go let's go mm. he used to think i was like a, a dog waiting for him like to try and push him because I knew every time I trained with him, he would teach me something. I would get better. I would, mm. It would suck. And he's actually the guy, because my whole like brand, if you want to call that, is like comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that he's the one who deemed that on me because mm. I want, there was one time I was in the cage, a tsunami back in the day, and I was doing, a, we call it shark tanking. We'd yeah, yeah, yeah. Fresh round, man every round. Fresh man every, no, we do fresh man every minute and a half. So it was like, <laughs> what we do in a five minute round and you have three partners throughout uh -huh. the round and they and then you do three rounds. So it was, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. And I was getting shark tanked and I think it was Jack or John. I was like on my back and they were ground and pounding me from standing like, boom, boom. And I just took these big shots to the face and then carried on trying to do whatever. And Dosky was there in case side looking at me and he was, he was like, you know, he, when I got out, he was like, you're just so comfortable in the most uncomfortable positions. Yeah, yeah. Because I like put myself in those uncomfortable positions and became chilled. So I think um, that mentality you have of the Goku, if you want to look at it like that, mm. like uh, trying to find those pressure situations and ways to push you, it can only serve you well. But then you just need to continually readjust and find that the, the challenge above you and the challenge mm. below you. So I, I don't know, where are you training for this fight? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm training at a place called Max Gym at North Wales Fight Academy. It's got two places that I go to, but you've really opened my eyes there because that, that's a really interesting way of putting it is that 
a lot of fighters tend to go right well we'll just consistently stay on you know, train with guys that are better than me and that's what that's all i've done really i've had a few guys that i've sparred and got the better of and but sometimes you come in the gym and you feel better than you do in other situations so there's a there's a saying that i really love and it stays with me forever and it goes something along the lines of if you run with people that are slower than you you might come first and that might feel good but if you run with people that are faster than you you might come last but your time will be better mm. so it, it that kind of puts it perfectly is that you've got to find that balance in that case because what, what you've just explained to me there tells me that i actually need to find the balance of the two different scenarios you know is that running with people that i know i'm faster than so i can try out my skills and test my new skills and see how I can, you know, perform different angles and attacks and things like that. More so in MMA, it's, it's more technical for you guys, whereas mm -hmm. boxing is just obviously more stand-up. But then the, the flip side of the coin is, is is really putting your skills against someone that, that can move just as well as you can, faster, more powerful. And one of my coaches, uh, Ryan Mack, he's 26 and 27 and 1 now, and he's he's a fantastic boxer. Really, really. He, he'd eat any of these Misfits guys up. Yeah. He, he could fight all these misfits guys in the same night in in one card you know we could just do like he'd, he'd, he'd put them away in three rounds a piece yeah. and just do 12 rounds you know he's, he's that kind of beast so i get a lot of confidence in that but then again you know coming back in and fighting guys uh you know i, I don't want to say lower than me because every single time i've got in the boxing ring with someone they've given me a good you know a good punch up in my camp you know um I don't really believe there's only sometimes when you when you're fighting someone that's truly amateur, if they're just a little bit sky in the ring, you know, they'll throw like four right hands. <laughs> yeah, they, they they can be the toughest fighters. The guys just, that don't fight the normal shapes. Yeah, yeah. But I only know that I know this firsthand because when I was being in the UFC, I was training my gym in in England in Cambridge at the Tsunami Gym, and we would I would outsource some training, like I would go to certain places um, just to get rounds in because you know weight classes and all that sort of mm. stuff. But my regular guys are my regular guys. My regular guys will ban the meeting. MMA is a bit different because you have all the different disciplines. They were good at some disciplines and not so good at other disciplines. So you would have like a variation of training partners. But then I moved to um, America and I lived in San Diego. I trained at Alliance under Eric Del Fierro, an amazing team. And it's like I upgraded the level of training that I was having. And I was training with some of the best fighters in the world. I was training with a guy called Phil Davis who became Bellator champion, super good. And he was a light heavyweight. Mm. Like I was a middleweight. He was one of the best light heavyweights in the world, and he was my training partner every single day. Crazy, you were a middleweight, bro. That's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> and and training with Bill, I just got battered every session. Mm. So it's like I was getting tougher and better in a way, but my confidence never. I, every session was like a. I, I used to use a system like a traffic light system. We have a green session, a yellow session, and a red session. Uh -huh. And every session was a red session. Yeah, and I and I would you were talking about it earlier. Like I would push. I'd go every session twice a day, six days a week. I would never miss a session. I prided myself on not missing mm -hmm. sessions. Not be, you know. But then I would my every session was a red session. So I was never rested. I never went in like confident because uh, the guys I was competing with were so good mm -hmm. and, and such a high level. So I never had that. So when I'm saying I moved to America, I had three fights in the UFC were living in San Diego. I lost two split decisions mm. and I lost one fight where I got battered. But I believe all of those fights I lost because my confidence was low True. because I was just fighting the elite guys every day. And yeah, I was getting better and I was getting tips and I was improving, but I never got to just batter some guy and feel like the man. Yeah, you know, yeah, so sometimes yeah. it, I, I believe 
with fighting, training is 99% physical mm-hmm. and 1% mental. But fighting on fight day is 99% mental and 1% physical because mm-hmm. you've done the work. You're 16 weeks in, you're in the best shape you could be in. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the body's sorted. It's all about the mind now. So if you're only competing with this guy who's 27 and one and, and feeling like, then when you go in, you're doing repetition and repetition in rounds of you being defensive, you being worried, you being, whereas, because again, when I fought Mark Munoz, who's a wrestler, I trained with Phil Davis every day for him, who's a wrestler. And I just got used to getting taken down. Mm. So I got really good at getting back to my feet. Really good. But then when I fought Mark, I didn't even try and hit him. I was just so thinking, no, no, he's going to take me down, he's going to take me down. Then he took me down, I got up. And he took me down 11 times and I got up 11 times. Mm. But I lost. Because when we got to the feet, I just didn't do what I was good at because I never had the the confidence to to do it because I hadn't been training it. So I learned a lot from those experiences. And I mm-hmm. think for the younger guys now fighting, I think it's super important is just to go with a guy, even if they're, obviously you don't take the piss, but you you win and you're confident and you're cocky and you move and you feel good. And you then you, you're like asserting your dominance. And then once you go into the ring and you fight Aaron Chalmers, yeah, he might be better than you, but you you still have that flow state where you feel good and you move right, rather than being like, oh, this guy's tough. Because when you spar with someone tough, mm. you're like, oh, this guy's tough. You know, you, you go in with a different, whole different thing. So yeah, yeah. that would be my advice for, for you as well and for everyone. Like, it's good to fight the tougher guy, but also fight the easier guy, like, and, and, and win. Win, 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 and win dominantly and feel mm. good and land those like mad angle shot, right hand, left hook to the body, kind of like things that are hard to land. You know mm. what I mean? Um, I think it's super, super important. Mm. Anyway, went on a bit of a rant. Uh, I think we've done a great time. I think we've had a bit of an hour. How, how long we're we doing? An hour? Uh, yeah, hour in. Okay, sweet. So um, we got a week now till the fight when this is going to be put out. And uh, you're ready. You've done your training camp. Life is good. You're going to be fighting in Dubai. I'm going to be there commentating for Crypto Fight Night. Um, we've got some of the boys coming down. Then we've got the F1, I think, on the Sunday. I yeah, I was going to say, are we doing that? Are we doing the F1? I mean, we should. We yeah. should. Abby Dabby, get a yacht, do all the lifestyle stuff, <laughs> have a good time. I'm <laughs> sober at the moment, so it's like, I'm like, do I, do I spend all that money? Oh, you're not drinking? I'm not drinking. Oh, okay. I'm on a, like a... That'll change on Sunday. <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> I'll bring the belt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll walk around with that for weeks, bro. Okay, fine. Yeah, okay. I'll drink if you knock Chalmers out. <laughs> Inside three rounds. Easy, easy. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, three. If you let everyone know where they can find you, where they can follow you, um, and obviously how to, to get involved with the fight and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, and yeah, we'll go open that. I'll leave all the links in the bio description, all that stuff down below in the YouTube, but let them know. Yeah, sure. So you can find me on at this one here. Yeah, so you can find me at Warren Spencer on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter because it just destroys the mind. Um, <laughs> YouTube at Warren Spencer. And also, if you'd like to tune in 24th of November next week, go to cfn.wtf. Sign in for free. And Crypto Find Out, I've actually put this night on completely free for you guys. So it's not one to be missed. I'll see you there. Okay, awesome work. Uh, thank you very much, Warren. Thanks, guys. If you made it to the end of the podcast, make sure you subscribe below. Uh, we put our podcast every week on a Thursday so you can keep up to date and, and you know, you can listen to my beautiful voice as much as you want. <laughs> See you later. Cheers, guys.